Well, good morning, Journey Church. How's everyone doing? Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap in this place. Come on, you can do better than that. He's the reason we're here. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. It is a privilege of mine to be able to communicate and share God's word with you today. And listen, everyone online, want to say a quick thank you uh, for tuning in. We appreciate you so much. And just honestly, everyone in here, listen, we're just so honored to be able to do life with you. So many of you are serving, just do things all the time, you know, for God's people. And, and listen, today, I just want to honor a group of people in here. Uh, anyone on the, that, that serve in J-Kids, really on, on the, the nursing, the nursing, the, the, uh, the preschool side, the, a lot of women are laughing right now, so let's just cut, edit that, take it out. Uh, the preschool, uh, the, the, the nursery, uh, really from zero to four. If you're in here, would you mind just standing up and you serve? A lot of them are being there. I see some over here. Hey, thank you all so much. Can we give them a hand clap? Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, I mean, look, our kids are really in great hands, and we just appreciate you all serving so much and just for being here. And a lot of them, of course, are watching your kids right now. There's just a few in here, but we appreciate you all so much once again. And listen, we have so many different serve teams, so many different things that are happening at Journey Church. I would encourage you to get involved in just what God is doing. But again, we are, we are excited to be able to sit here, and I am excited to be able to speak and communicate to you uh, what God has put on my heart for this uh, particular uh, talk today. Uh, and you know, we're in a series right now, God Never Said That. Very interesting series. And uh, one of the things that we're striving and we're trying to do is to really to uncover different phrases or sayings that really are not in the Bible. And as I was preparing and thinking about some of the things that uh, I could potentially talk about, and I got Blake and Tyler in my office, and we're like, okay, well, what can we do? What do y'all think? And just getting some ideas and some of the ones that, that really that came up that I was like, oh, I kind of want to deal with this, is one of them was uh, God helps those who help themselves, right? Yeah, I mean, you, it's all over the Bible, right? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and how about this one? Uh, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Well, that's not in the Bible either. That sounds like something, you know, somebody who keeps screwing up and doesn't want to stop. That's what he says, you know? <laughs> how about this one? Only God can judge me. I mean, that's all over the Bible. No, it's not. It's just on the tattooed on our arms. You know, Jesus never said that. That was Tupac, you know. So <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, I just want to like get ink and scratch it if you have it on your arm. Okay. And uh, no, but seriously, God never said that. Um, Anyway, but today really what I want to deal with and talk about is something that, that you equally know uh, and something that we've all said and we've all kind of had this in our hearts. And even if we haven't said it or counseled someone in this way, we probably live to it. We probably direct ourselves by it. And it's the phrase, follow your heart. It's the phrase, follow your heart. I hear it even say. Mm, he going to preach today. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, anyway, let's pray. 
We're going to pray and we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to deal with us. And I, I like laughing and I like being serious. I like everything. Um, but at the end of the day, I want, with someone, we had just had a conversation um, and someone was telling me, man, you know, you just, it was just such a blessing to hear you speak in the last service. And, and they were telling me some of the things. I was like, I never really said that, you know. But what I'm saying, and this is why I'm blessed. This is why I'm blessed, seriously. This is why I'm blessed is because the things that I'm communicating right now, and I, and I hope that from God and they'll touch you, but listen, there could be a sermon within the sermon that it could strike at each and every one of your hearts, and God could be doing all kinds of different things in this very moment. And we're going to open our hearts at this very moment and the Lord, allow the Lord to instruct us and navigate us and just to be with us. Amen? Father, we're grateful, Lord, for the things that you're doing. I pray that each and every person in this room, Lord, that our hearts would be one, first of all. Lord, our hearts would be groomed and would be uh, cultivated to long for the living God. I pray, Lord, that you would break strongholds. I pray that you would break, Lord, things in our life that have, um, that have risen up and that have caused us to fall away from you. I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us. Keep us, Lord, in the apple of your eye, and Lord, that uh, each and every person in this room, Lord, would just come to a new uh, understanding of how we should conduct our life in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, how many of you have heard that phrase, follow your heart? Come on, let me just see your hands. Come on online, wiggle your mouse, do something, you know. And listen, the follow your heart, this is a kind of saying, it's a kind of a creed that is embraced by people everywhere. It is fleshed out in movies, in stories, in, um, in articles online, in Hallmark movies. I mean, come on, y'all know the Hallmark movies. Uh, you know, I don't really don't watch them very much, but I, because, I know how they're going to end. You know, they fall in love and happily ever after because they followed their heart, right? You know, and the thing is, is the, this is, it's kind of a, just a scenario that's painted in front of us as if this is the ultimate thing that, that should guide and lead us. And honestly, and when I was younger, I used to counsel people in that way. I was a wise counselor when I was 12. You would have been absolutely impressed by my counsel, you know, and I would just say, oh, follow your heart. Go after that girl, you know, and so. So, you know, and this is the kind of counsel that we receive, maybe because it sounds spiritual, it sounds wise, it sounds inspirational. And if I can, just for a moment, I'd like to quote Princess Diana. She says, only do what your heart tells you. Well, let me quote a theologian. That's stupid, okay? And uh, some of you are going to get mad, but is he insulting the people's princess? No, I'm like, not really, okay? But listen, really, what I want to do today is just kind of talk a little bit about, like, this idea of following your heart. And really, I'd like to start off with a very reputable uh, uh, news outlet, and they've put out a lot of great work, uh, and they had one on the heart. And I just want to kind of show you this picture, if we can, for a moment. Uh, Babylon B uh, says, a couple follows heart, billions dead. Okay? So, okay, that's a, it's a satire. It's not true. Okay, well, it is true. Adam and Eve, they followed their hearts, and sin entered the world, and now everyone dies. So, uh, follow your heart is a little overrated. But honestly, when we're talking about all the jokes and silliness aside, when we're talking about the heart, and when the Bible speaks about the heart, and by the way, uh, it, it's referenced some 900 times in the Bible. And when something is referenced like that, you want to take a little bit of notice at what and how 
the Bible instructs us over that particular theme, word, topic, whatever it may be. And when we're talking about the heart, when the Bible's talking about the heart, it really has to do with the, the command center of, of the life, the control center. It's the place of control. The heart is really at the core of the inner self. It is the inclinations. It is the dispositions. It is the determinations of the heart. And those things are in desperate need of redemption. Again, it's the command center of the life. And and, and it's desires that lie within us. It's the desires that lie within us and that they try and lead us. And each and every one of you know what I'm talking about. Your heart will start pulling at you even for evil things. You have a confrontation at work. Immediately you can unrighteously judge someone and think evil and bad thoughts. And you want to slash their tires and, you know, whatever else. And, you know, the heart will lead to people's demise so quickly. You know, the, again, the idea of following your heart, heart seems to be built upon the premise that the heart knows best. That the foundation is that your heart will lead you to true happiness. Your heart is like a compass that is going to direct you toward your true north. And it will bring you to everlasting satisf satisfaction and gratification. And your, that gratification in turn, all you need to do to please self is follow the inner uh, direction of the heart and your life will be perfect. It's an interesting time in our country that we live in. Individual rights are elevated above individual responsibilities. I can leave my spouse because if she doesn't make me happy anymore. I can literally do all kinds of atrocities because I am no longer happy and we neglect responsibility for things that we should be holding ourselves accountable and responsible to merely in the name of finding happiness. It's the American dream. Modern health, modern mental health care it, it has a kind of a philosophy and it has these hundreds, literally hundreds of different approaches and options that bring people mental health. And the ideas are as vast as you can imagine. Today, the U.S. spends $71 billion on mental health, all the while neglecting a particular guide that has stood the test of time for thousands of years. It's outrageous. It's absolutely abominable to think that we can go inside of ourselves to fix ourselves all the while not realizing that the issue lies not outside of us, but inside of us. Jesus spoke very prolifically about many subjects. And anytime he speaks, when you see those words in red, take notice of how he communicates. After all, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God himself. 
He was there in the beginning, creating the world. God created everything through this person of Jesus, the one in whom we come and worship. We come here because a work has been done on our heart, and now God has given Jesus a name above every name, that, that the, at his name everyone will bow. He is the one that we try to, that we are striving to bring glory to. And in bringing glory to him, it's done for our good. And so what does Jesus have to say? When Jesus opens his mouth, we should shut up and listen. Well, that was good. Amen. Sermon is over. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk to you today. Shut up and listen. <laughs> like, just only when Jesus says it. Now we But Jesus says in Matthew 15, verse 19. Matthew 15, verse 19. Jesus said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, Theft, false witness, slander, these are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a person. There's this little controversy that the disciples, you know, and Jesus is basically saying, look, it's not about the outside. Y'all are making it all external. It's about the inside. The heart is what defiles a person, not, not washing my hands. Out of the heart come these evil thoughts. Again, murder, adultery, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. This is what defiles a person. It's interesting. Do you really want to follow your heart? If Jesus spoke in such a way to say this thing is damnable, do you really want to follow it? It's been said our hearts were never designed to be followed but to be led. Our hearts have been corrupted by sin and this pull that this pull and this the tainting of sin. C.S. Lewis talks about the doctrine of total depravity, and really it doesn't mean that we're just all little Satans running around, you know, ultimately, you know, hurting little kids and kicking widows and just doing horrible things. What the doctrine of depravity really is talking about is that overall, over the all of the course and the character of our life, our, our entire person, everything is tainted with sin. Every aspect. And that's why, that's how we can live a life. And you can see some people who may have some good morals here and there, but then ultimately our life is tainted with sin. It's, it's about me first. And the heart is designed to be overcome and then is won by the gospel and it is to be led, not followed. Again, when the Bible looks at the heart, it doesn't look at it as a thing that is to be revered, as a thing to be served or gratified, but as something to be healed. It is something sick and dead and dying that needs to be brought back to life. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, and I so appreciated what Blake said in that transition that God was constantly at work, you know, through all this time. And, you know, in Ichabod, you know, that means the glory has departed. In 400 years, God, he had enough with his people. So he left for 400, 400 years. And then he showed up on a scene, but God left. He always had the intention in bringing something back. In Jeremiah 17, 
He, he, and, and Jeremiah 31, his, in, his intentions were to create a new heart. And Jeremiah 17, here's Jeremiah, and the Lord is speaking. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's deceitful. You might, not even, you might think you know your heart, but you don't even really know. Your heart is deceitful above all things. You might think you know someone, but it's de- sometimes it can be deceit. And it is desperately sick. And that's what I'm saying. From the beginning, the Lord has always seen our hearts since the fall. Since Adam and Eve, since the fall, the heart has been sick. It has been depraved. God is constantly working to renew this heart, to give a new heart. And we'll get to that too. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? And this reminds me of a story in the Bible of of a man who is described by God himself. I mean, it's one thing for me to say, oh, man, that's a man of God. I mean, that's an awesome guy. We, this, guy's, this guy, he, he knows the Lord. It's another thing for God to say it. And this is a man who is described by God himself as a man after God's own heart. This man, David, that we're speaking about, King David, he's the second king of Israel. God, the Lord raised him up it says, since he was a boy. Isn't that interesting? This is, this is just this little rabbit trail here. But God can see a, a king inside of a kid. A man after God's own heart. He saw his heart from a young age, and he says, this is my king. This is the anointed one. Man sees with the inner heart. That's what he told Samuel. God sees what's, man sees the outside. God sees the inside. This is a man after my own heart. David had an amazing legacy. Go read about David if you don't know about him. An amazing man of God. He was a man of war. He said that the Lord teaches his hands to make war. That, that the Lord would raise up King David as a mighty man of God who would, who would push back uh, against the forces of darkness. And he would come and he would fight against the people of, uh, against the enemies of God. He, he enables David to leap over a wall, right? You see, all the Psalms of David, a mighty man. He loved the Lord. He was, he, he, he was devoted to God's commandment. But there was still, just like it is with us, many of us are devoted. Many of us are loving the Lord. Many of us are striving. But sometimes that, that heart can deceive us even still. That's, that old man is still alive. That old man can still knock on our, can, can still come knocking. In 2 Samuel 11, this is the story that I'd like to pick up. A man after God's own heart. A man who revered the Lord. A man who God said, he's, he, he's a man who is after me. I would love for the Lord to say that about me. How about you? In, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it says, In the spring of that year, in the spring of that year, the time when the kings go out to battle, you know, commentaries they, they say that, because of the cost of war, they would not go to battle in the winter because it, it would take more to uh, feed their uh, armies. And uh, it was just easier in the springtime. It was water, uh, food was available in the land. But in the springtime of the year, when the time when kings would go out to war, 
This is interesting. David sent Joab, who was his general, and his servants with him in all of Israel. So David sent people to go fight his battle. We'll jump down to verse 2. It says, and it happened late one afternoon. Well, it says at the, at the end of that verse, it says, but David remained in Jerusalem. David sent Joab. He sent the armies. He sent the people to go fight. David remained in Jerusalem. He stayed home. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch, again, through commentaries that I've read and looking at, you know, biblical background uh, commentaries, uh, what would happen is that during the heat of the day, uh, they didn't have AC, you know, like we do. During the heat of the day, they would go and shelter. They would actually take naps during that time and it, just to kind of get away from the heat. And when it would become a little cooler, they would go take walks. They would go out and do what they needed to do as, uh, just because it was cooler. This sounds uh, appropriate. So it happened one afternoon when David rose from his couch and he went walking on the roof of the king's house. So he went, went on a walk. It says he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. He, so he sees this woman. He sees she's beautiful. And it says she's naked. And, I mean, she's bathing. And it says that he inquired about the woman. So much is happening so quick in this verse. And I don't know whether or not David was looking to stumble or whether he just stumbled. You know, if you're looking for trouble, you can find it. It's like you go on that diet and you're like, man, I'm, 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 I'm going to be good. And then somebody brings brownies to the office. You know what I'm saying? It's like that, that, that the, the, you stumbled. It was like an accident. And you're like, oh, man, let me just get a bite of this. It's something altogether different as you start that diet and you go to McDonald's. Like that's just different, right? So it's like intentional. And whether or not David stumbled intentionally, whether or not, uh, you know, that he just happened to see a beautiful naked woman taking a bath? I don't know. The story doesn't tell us. But, you know, there's a couple of things here that are happening. And first of all, you know, where David initially stumbled, and guys, maybe some of you are in the same place, and the initial stumbling is that he stayed by himself in Jerusalem. He sent all of his, the people that were close, the commander of his army, and all of his mighty men, he sent them off to war, and he stayed at home. And maybe some of you guys, you're metaphorically speaking, you're at home alone. You're not in a life group. You're not on a serve team. You're really not, you know, devoting yourself fully to the Lord and, to, and, and, and being guided by a community of like-minded believers. It's time to re-engage in the war. It's time to re-engage the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your family, and take up what the devil has stolen from you. And girls, I don't know why she was bathing on the roof, you know. Verse 2, again, it says she was very beautiful. It's like, girl, you know you're fine, but do you have to flaunt it? Like, you know, I mean, she like, if, if she had an Instagram post, you know she'd be like, what's up? <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I hope not. This is recorded. Hey, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, stop that. Uh, you know, but whatever. Let, let's just assume, take, let's take a moment and let's assume innocence on David's part. Assume innocence on Bath, Bathsheba's fault. 
But this is where the wickedness of David's heart, the man after God's own heart, this is where the wickedness is exposed. In verse 3 it says, David sent and inquired about the woman he saw. And, And again, to give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe you've seen things. Maybe things have stumbled in your path. And maybe God has done it to expose the wickedness of your heart so that you could repent. But it says that David inquired. The word inquire means to seek with care. He, he sought after it because he, 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 he was aroused by what he saw and he yielded to it and he went after it. He was interested and sought an occasion to sin, and he indeed found it. You can't always be faulted with what you see, but your response will determine your destiny. Your response to what is happening on the outside of you will literally cultivate your future. And if you're in this room, I would just... Ask, and I would humbly submit, if you're inquiring after sin, I would ask you to lay it at the foot of the cross. I would ask you to find people and confess your sins. It says in 1 John, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is the one who is in, in, in mercy confronting us, a confrontation with the living God for our holiness, that we might come and appear before him in a bold manner, not cowarding, but boldly saying, Lord, here I am. Make me whole, make me fresh, make me new. But David, again, with his, his, with his evil heart, he was following his feelings, his unchecked and unbridled passions. What was good became his enemy, unchecked. But what about us, again, but what about us? It's like we gossip Why? Well, Brother Jeremy, I just wanted to let them know so they could be praying. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Sure. You know, what about money? What about money? The way we spend money, our earthly possessions, and the things that we strive for. I need a bigger this. I need that. I want this. Whatever the reason is, whatever those earthly possessions are, check them. Consider. Consider why you're doing the things you're doing. And again, let me show you how much more this is messed up. When he inquired about the woman, he found out she was the wife of Uriah. Now, Uriah wasn't just some random guy. Uriah was one of David's mighty men. Uriah was a great soldier. He was a noble individual. He was the wo- And then he was married to this woman. And David knew that, and he said, bring her anyway. Then he slept with her. And then what does David do? He get, he, she's pregnant. So then David's scratching his hand, and he had this massive conspiracy in the land of Israel in Jerusalem at the king's house. The man who loves God, a conspiracy unfolds. So not only does he sleep with the man's wife, he has the man killed. He calls Joab. He says, hey, get Uriah. Bring him to the, bring him to the front of the fight. Let him, get, let him die. He has him killed. I don't know what you have done, and listen, I don't know what has happened in your life and the sins and the things. You, I'm, I'm certain none of you have slept with somebody's spouse and then killed them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am certain. Because if you have, oh, Lord, <laughs> just hear the rest of the story, you know. Anyway. <laughs> There's hope. <laughs> but 
for David to, to do this and to continue on in his sin, not only the inquiring after a married woman, but the death of a friend. He killed his friend over this. He killed somebody who served him. What ultimate evil that lies within his heart. How exceedingly sinful is the heart. Who can understand it? He kills Uriah and he thinks he has gotten away with it. Until 2 Samuel chapter 12. He has a merciful confrontation with the living God because God sends a messenger of mercy. And I pray even today, maybe, a maybe, maybe you've messed up in your life. I pray a chapter 12 comes in your life, maybe even today. Maybe there's a chapter 12 where something begins to come over you and there's cleansing in the future. Because David, redemption is not only for him, it's for us. In, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David. I'm just curious, do you have a Nathan in your life? One of the interesting things about David is you look all from his youth, he was always around the people of God. Samuel was in his life. He had people in his life who feared and honored God. And, he, and, and the interesting thing, he, like, look, he's writing these psalms, he's loving the Lord, and he had people that, could, that he would allow them to confront him. And we're going to see this confrontation. And maybe some of you, maybe you're, maybe you're not the individual who is David. You're in the middle of a sin. Maybe you're the Nathan. Maybe you're someone who needs to hold someone accountable. And you're all nervous. Can you imagine Nathan? He's going before the king to bring this message. And if the king doesn't like it, he just takes his head off. <laughs> and the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said, there were two men in a certain city. So this is Nathan talking to David, the king. He had just, he, he just won. He got the girl, killed the guy, and now he's on his throne, got the crown, you know, all the jewels, whatever. And, he, and now he's making judgments. He's sitting on his throne. And Nathan comes. There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds. But the, the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up and he grew it, and he grew it up with him and his children. He, it used to eat out of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. So he loved this little lamb. Now, there was a traveler to the rich man. So there's a poor man and there's a rich man. The traveler came to the rich man. And he, the rich man, was unwilling to take one from his own flock or herd to prepare it for the guest that had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb. He took the poor man's lamb and he prepared it for the man who had come to him. Now, come on. David was a righteous man. He may have had inconsistencies in his life. Maybe some of you, look, you might say, man, I'm serving the Lord. Maybe there are some inconsistencies in your life. 
Maybe a little bit of hypocrisy here and there. And we see a little bit of that in David. He was a righteous man. And you see this. He wanted to stand for the ones who were hurting. He wanted to be a defender of the defenseless. He wanted to be a, he wanted to be a mighty man that the people would aspire and esteem. And, when he's, and this is what David says in his righteous anger. It says, David answered, uh, verse 5, David, David, then David's anger was greatly kindled against him. Interesting, David was a man of all kinds of passions. I love passionate people, as long as those passions are checked. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done, has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Isn't it interesting, our hypocrisy, how it, we can have, we can be so righteous in so many different ways. And we could really be striving. But friends, allow the inconsistencies in your life come under the blood of the lamb. And then Nathan turns it and says, you're the man. You're the man. And then he begins, to, he begins to prophesy the word of the Lord. He says, Nathan says, listen, you've done this secretly. You've, you've done this thing secretly. I'm going to do something to you openly. I'm going to allow all of Israel to see this demise that's going to come to your house. I'm not going to kill you, David. I love you. I still have a plan for your life. But, I got, but something's happening, and there's going to be a reproach against you for this sin. And guess what David does? What does he do? Like so many times, you know, people that confront us, we have people in our life that we say, hey, I want you to hold me accountable. I want to like do life with you, and you, even if it's your spouse. I mean, if anybody has a right to call you to the carpet, it's your spouse. And what do we do? Instead of allowing ourselves to be open, we harden up. We tighten up, realize, forgetting the whole time that maybe God has intended marriage to make us holy, not merely happy. Amen. And before, there, there's that grinding. There's that, there's that working out. Like, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. You know, my wife only has to correct me once or twice a year. You know, I'm just, <laughs> it's like once or twice a day. But, but what do we do? But what do we do? We, we, we harden ourselves against those accountability partners, and we resist, and we have multiple reasons. And the inner lawyer in, inside of us is like, man, we went to law school, and we're the most professional uh, defenders of our own character that you've ever seen. And it doesn't matter what you have done. It's like we resist, and we block what God is doing. We resist, we fight, and we tell all the reasons of how we were right. But friends, let me tell you what David did in, 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 in verse 13. His response should be our response to find mercy from God. He says, I have sinned. He quickly just took responsibility for it. I have sinned against the Lord. This is one of the greatest things about the life of David in the middle of the greatest shame of his life was that he, he repented. It solidified his legacy. Man, let people see you fall. It's okay. It'll solidify your walk with God. Hey, I'm an imperfect person. I humbly come before God seeking for repentance for my life. And that's what David did. 
And many of us are battling, even right now, a, a cultural stronghold that says to us, listen, just follow your heart, follow your feelings, follow those desires, go after them. But I want to be counterculture, counter counterculture. This, this is a spiritual battle. I've told you how much David is screwed up. You've seen it. Maybe you see your own life in the life of David. But one of the interesting things about David, again, this is a man who's after God's own heart. We can learn from him, from his mistake and how he walked this freedom. And you know, in Psalms 51, Psalms 51 was born. This, this psalm was um, declared, it was preached, it was sung out of this brokenness. Again, I've already said it, the messenger of mercy had come, he heard it, he repented, and this thing was born, this psalm. So I would encourage you, we're not going to go through the whole thing, but I want to encourage you, go read the psalm. If you're in the middle of repenting, hey, keep doing it, go read David's psalm and adopt the things he says. And I have just three things that I'd like to glean from out of the life of David, out of this psalm and another uh, verse in Proverbs of how we can guide and guard and protect our hearts. The first one is examine our hearts. In Psalms 51 verse 3, it says, for I know my transgressions. Yeah, I was called out on it. He knew the whole time he was in sin. David knew the law of the Lord. David knew he wasn't supposed to murder. David knew he wasn't supposed to commit adultery, and he did it anyway. He was called out on it, and he repented, and he says, I know my transgressions. I know what I have done. They're before me. And then he begs the Lord, create in me. Give me a new heart. A renew, a right spirit within me, Psalms 51.10. Examine your own heart like David. And maybe that examination is kicked off by a friend who says, listen, you're struggling with anger too much. Why do you just burst out with anger at the littlest thing? Why do you walk in your house after a long day at work and then take it out on your family? Why do you ignore your spouse when they walk in? Come on, wives. I mean, whatever it could be, whatever, the, whatever the, the thing is in our life that we're wrestling with, examine your own heart. Whatever it can be, examine it. Allow, expose it. Tell people your need of the mercy of God. Fall upon the cross of Jesus Christ. And then he took responsibility. He examined his heart. He took responsibility. In Psalms 51, verse 4, it says, against you I have sinned. Once again, he declares his absolute accountability to the Lord. I am accountable to you. I have sinned against you. I am at fault. Against you have I sinned, O God. Even when Nathan, even when Nathan confronted him, he acknowledged. He didn't try to hide. Again, solidifying his legacy as a man after God's own heart in the midst of his crooked sin. And the third thing is guard your heart. Guard your heart. This is actually in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 23. Interesting enough, Proverbs written, this proverb was written by um, uh, Solomon, who is the son of David. And I wonder if the man of God after God's own heart, his legacy was extended to his son, and his son derived wisdom from his father and spoke in this way, huh? Maybe your kids will be able to learn from your mistakes as you fall and repent openly. It says in Proverbs uh, 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the issues of life. An interesting story. It was a few months back. Taylor, uh, she went out to, uh, 
the, probably the grocery store, something like that. And, you know, she's just like, okay, please, Lord, I just want to go to the grocery store without the kids and my life is going to be at peace, you know. And so she goes to the store. I'm watching the kids and uh, I'm in the backyard and I, I'm, unfortunately, I, uh, I, I was not doing what I should have been doing. Instead of watching my kids, I'm on my phone, just flipping through social media. You know, it's one of the things that I appreciate about my own dad is that when he was with us, he was with us, you know, and we all love and adore him for it. And I'm with my kids, kind of, I mean, I was there in proximity. You know, if they would have screamed bloody murder, I would have heard them, but I wasn't with them. Let's be with our kids, amen. And so I'm just wondering, like, and, I, and, I, and all of a sudden as I'm in this, not trying to be impressive, the term, this, this scripture pops up about vigilance course the context was different it was over my kids and I just had the thought I'm not being vigilant if somebody hypothetically comes into my gate takes one of my kids I wouldn't have been able to guard against that because you know what vigilance is uh, it's actively guarding actively opposing intrusion from the outside it is the watchful eye it is the scanning and looking and knowing that something is going to attack me That's vigilance. No, keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flow the issues of life. People and things and issues will want to bombard you. Guard your heart above all else. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Guard your heart, my friends. Examine your heart. Take responsibility and guard your heart. Again, in closing, and I mentioned this, Blake talked about it, and what God was doing from the beginning is he knew the wickedness, the, the exceeding sinful and the condition of the human heart. Even though we long for God and we cry out and we're searching for him, we fail constantly. We are constantly screwing up. But what God has done from the beginning in Jeremiah 31 is that he, is, is he spoke about it. He says, for the days are... For, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And I'm just going to actually ask the band to come. And we're going to have a time of reflection. And a time when I'm going to ask you to search your own heart at this very moment. But again, what God was doing, he says, this is the covenant. That he, thousands of years ago, the Lord said this. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those de- days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one, each one teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I love this, for I will forgive their iniquities and remember their sins no more. And I just wonder, like, wherever we're at, whatever's going on, all the different things that are inside of us. If we, you know, for the the believers in here, God has already given us a new heart. That heart that he has has already been written on us. It's already new, transformed, and and it's made in the image of God. But for some of us in here, We've, we don't know the Lord. We're not walking with the Lord. We don't, you don't need a band-aid over it. You need a reformation. You need an absolute turning over. You need the, the conquering king to come and give you a new heart. That he would write his name. He would write his law. That you would be a part of the people of God. 
Would you bow your heads? I'm just going to ask just in this moment, wherever you are, whoever you are, and um, I'm just going to ask, do you need that new heart? Do you need to come and submit yourself before the throne of grace and find mercy and help today? Maybe today is that chapter 12 that we talked about, the, the merciful confrontation with the living God. And if today, what I'm speaking, you're like, I need that new heart. I need the heart that, that will long for God and strive to enter by the narrow way. Would you just show me your hand? If that's you and you, I see y'all. Thank y'all. I, th I see y'all all, yeah, I see, I see you all over the place. And more importantly, the, the Lord sees those hands and hopefully it's not lifted hands, it's lifted hearts. Saying, renew me, O God. Create in me a new heart. And, and, and renew, give me a, a new spirit. This is what I'm gonna ask for all of you who raised your hand. In just a moment, we're gonna sing this song. It's a great song. It's gonna be something that's gonna go with the theme of today. And I'm just gonna ask you right now to worship the Lord. I'm gonna ask you to just pour yourself out to him for these next few moments. And for those of you who are saying, hey, I need, I need, I need, I need change in my life. I need the gospel to take root in my heart. What I would ask you to do is actually at the end of the service, would you just come and meet with our prayer team? Would you come down to this altar if you're serious and come and do business with God? Amen. Would you guys stand up? We're going to go into this song. I'm just going to ask you for these next few moments. Listen, don't leave. Hang out just for one moment. And let's turn and examine ourselves right now.